0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. The Lunch Pal Draftcast, episode four. This time I actually have the number right. We're doing running backs. <laughs> and starting out with the inside linebackers today. The two positions that most of NFL Twitter would tell you, hey, Don't pay those guys because you can get them anywhere at any time. They're a very quote-unquote fungible position. Now, I don't fully agree with that. I think you can pay the elite of the elite or the very good. But when you start trying to pay guys like, I don't know, let's just use our our Bears running back, for example, David Montgomery. I think Montgomery's solid, if not spectacular. But – just, I don't really want to pay him once his time is done. <laughs> That's just me. I would, ha- I'm okay, however, with people paying the likes of Christian McCaffrey. Makes sense? I think yeah. it does. So, I guess let's get into it. I said, let's start off with the inside linebackers. Jacob, who do you have as your number one inside starting linebacker to, or inside linebacker to start off?
0: Yeah. So, I, very close with like these top three linebackers in terms of where they are on my board uh i have them it's not necessarily back to back to back but it's dang close okay uh i have micah parsons right now as my number one uh, in terms of off ball linebacker i do feel like he's a much better fit as an outside linebacker and like a four three base kind of i see him as like a sam backer so at the next-
1: so you're for those out there wondering, when you hear like something like Sam Backer, that's how um how Mike Zimmer deploys Anthony Barr in Minnesota, where you kind of let him rush the pass, you kinda let him cover tight ends, even though I will fully admit to you that I'm much higher on on Parsons than a lot of the draft community seems to be of late. I will admit to you though, he does have his issues in coverage where he sometimes just gets lost. And by sometimes yeah. I mean a lot of times, or he's literally just, he's a heat seeking missile, fine ball, go get yeah. ball. But yeah. to ask him to do much in coverage, it's a little bit of an issue. We'll say,
0: yeah. I mean, with Micah Parsons, he's obviously a physically gifted guy. Uh, I think his instincts for the position are still developing. Cause if I'm not mistaken, he was a defensive end out of high school. So He's still feeling things out, especially in coverage. You can see his route recognition skills aren't quite there yet. Uh, And just his ability to feel out his zone, they're still improving, absolutely. But just the sheer size and athletic ability that he brings, I mean, his raw speed that he brings, you know, closing in on a ball carrier, the value that he brings as a blitzer off the edge or up the A-gap. Uh, and the motor that he plays with, is, it's just really impressive to me. You know, you're not going to find too many guys who are as big as he is moving as well as he can. So I, I think like at his pro day, he ran like four, three, eight, something bonkers well, like the, that.
1: The whole Penn State linebacking core ran sub four five. I'm pretty sure. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone yeah. in Penn State that day was running four fours.
0: <laughs> yeah and we raved about jason alway uh in one of the earlier episodes and now we're doing the same for because penn state they they did a good job with bringing out some true athletic specimens
1: but yeah you know when you make your 40 yard dash 38 and a half yards it's amazing how much <laughs> yeah um
0: it give you a little bit of leeway there yeah, for sure
1: but. so the only thing i would question in terms of parsons is because he is for me as well my like i really think he's just a lot better Than every other player at this position, like just because of the sheer physic physical nature of him. Like he you can't teach what he can do. Now, some would say, well, wouldn't you hear he might? I think like we believe he was an edge rusher coming out of high school. They transitioned him inside, which he might be a better sandbacker in a 40 front. I mean, you could also argue (laughs) make the argument then, wouldn't he also? potentially be the best edge rusher in this class if you just said hey go stand up and fly off the edge you could but that's part of the reason like i don't think it's a bad thing where some people are saying well, we'll just make him an edge rusher i think it's you could deploy him in like we're, we, we've talked a little bit on our our show about positionless football specifically on defense where these guys can line up at safety linebacker edge rusher yada 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 and you can kind of deploy them in a mishmash of ways. So you can have multiple fronts. I actually think that's where, where Parsons would be best suited where you're getting him, where he can do a little bit of standup, standup linebacking work where he can rush the passer a little bit, really utilize the ability to be that heat seeking missile that I've talked about and go rush the passer and use those natural athletic gifts He is a work in progress. He is going to require time. He's not someone like, let's use just Roquan Smith, where he was a much more finished product coming out of Georgia. But Roquan, again, is in that smaller ilk of not being an overly big linebacker. I think Micah's really, really good, but he's not a finished product, and you're going to have to be patient with him. That being said, everything he has – the demeanor, the on-field demeanor, where he's just consistently attack, 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 attack. And the way he plays the game, coupled with his physical gifts, that if he if he figures it out and you can deploy him in that multifaceted role, I think you got yourself a star. But that remains to be seen. It's going to require time and patience with him.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point you bring up with uh, involving Micah Parsons in those multiple fronts. I feel like uh, he's one of the best blitzing linebackers in this class. I know some. There's a small minority on draft Twitter that's been projecting him as an edge rusher straight up. Which, that's what I'm I mean,
1: saying. Yeah, I've seen that.
0: Yeah, which like ultimately I disagree with, but I can, I can see it. You know, and yeah, and I feel like having him blitz off the edge every once in a while is you know, definitely a smart move. And this actually makes me want to transition into another linebacker that I really like. That's cool. Uh, Go ahead. who I think could also thrive in those, you know, like a multiple front sort of defense and that's Zaven Collins out of Tulsa.
1: Now, where do you have Zaven rated?
0: Yeah, I have him. And again, it's very, very close between my two and three. I have nearly identical grades between the two. And the only reason that I have Zavin Collins ahead of Jeremiah Wusu is size.
1: But yeah, I have Zavin Collins as Coromoa, my for those through. yeah, for, for those listening, Koromoa only weighed in at 220 pounds. He he is not a big man. That I for yeah, instance, not. I believe uh Keanu Neal, the old safety from the Falcons, who just signed as a Will linebacker in Dallas this off season, I believe, is heavier than him at closer to two thirty. I could be wrong on that. I, I'll double check, but yeah. to, just to give you an idea, like he is a very Jeremiah Oso koromoa is a very small linebacking prospect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I've got the I've got the time for Zayvon Collins pulled up now. He was a hair under six foot five, and he was two hundred fifty nine pounds. So that's okay. like – that's like the size of an edge rusher right there playing as a standout linebacker. Yeah. Like, that's that's a really, really big frame. And I don't know if, got, if teams are going to want to deploy him off the edge full time. Uh, I feel like he's shown some promise there. I wouldn't say he's as polished in terms of his ability to disengage as a guy like Micah Parsons is. But I do feel like there's some – uh, that combination of size and just the explosiveness he brings, I think that it could maybe project him as an edger for the next level. I like him a lot more as a linebacker who can kind of do it all on those multiple fronts.
1: Uh, well, and if that, not just general. a general couple in that Tulsa did ask him to do coverage. It's not like he was like, it's not like he is the, pro- the projectable guy that is Micah Parsons. He actually yeah. was asked in coverage. I believe even Pro Football Focus ra- ranked him as one of the best coverage backers they've ever graded in the PFF era coming out of college.
0: Yeah, so
1: Which is, that's big so in weird. today's NFL.
0: It's so weird because he's so big; he shouldn't be able to move the way that like he does. That. Yep. Yeah, but I'm I'm a big fan of his. You know, lateral agility. I really like the. uh, just the instincts he showcases in coverage. I think he has enough route recognition skills and just overall situational awareness needed to play in man. Uh, And I want to say he had, was it four interceptions in 2020? I know he put up like bonkers production in terms of uh, going up to, yeah. So yeah, four interceptions and he returned it for two pick sixes in a total of 152 yards. That's yeah. that's insane for a linebacker.
1: Right, and and he like there are some guys that when they measure in and weigh in and whatnot, they don't look that size, but they are that size. Like, but Zabin is not the case. When you look at him, he looks the part. Like he's a big, strong, physical specimen and he's leaving at the right time. Now the only thing I would question with him is and I'm a, a bigger believer in it than most on the in the in the draft and armchair scouting world, I tend to put a lot of emphasis, a lot more emphasis on level of competition and who you're playing than a yeah. lot of people and Tulsa's in what the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, I believe. So I'm pretty sure yeah. It's just who are they really playing? I know Louisville's in that conference, but Louisville hasn't been Louisville of late. Like, so it's Wait, just,
0: isn't, isn't Louisville in the ACC? ACC. I, I feel like I, yeah, feel, you're right. I might you be are. wrong. I feel like they were in the AAC at one point. They time, were,
1: they right? moved recently. So your, your AAC is UCF who is down Cincinnati Tulsa Memphis and then SMU so you've got four or five decent programs but nothing like to write home about I guess is the yeah is the big one and Houston's in there too but Houston is really up and down
0: yeah because Houston like they're either really good or really bad it seems like they've had some really good teams over the past few years but if I'm not mistaken, this past year I think it was one of their down years. Again, I I didn't really uh, follow them too much outside 40, of uh
1: three and five. Houston was
0: okay. Yeah, I didn't really follow them too much outside of a uh, Marquez Stevenson, the receiver there. But I yeah I did think that it wasn't a great year. So yeah, three and five. That's yeah. uh, not great.
1: All right. So moving on, you you talked about Zayvon Collins. So I actually do have Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa's as my second-rated inside backer or, or stand-up backer, whatever you want to call him. Um, I, I do think he's three down because you can, theoretically, because of his size, just make him a dime backer when you're in diamond nickel sets. That way you don't yeah. ever have to pull him off the field. So I, I do like him in somewhat of a hybrid front or whatever, but he's, I mean, he's really good, and he plays super aggressive. Like, he want, <laughs> he, he doesn't... He doesn't shy away from contact despite that size. And his, because of his size, his his range, his whatever, he is really well-suited for just being a ball hawk and flying sideline to sideline. You don't want him much taking on similar to a lot of the smaller linebackers in today's NFL. He's not going to shed a block. If a fullback or a tight end or a lineman gets to the second level with him, he's not going to win. It's just the nature of he tends to try to duck. He will duck a defender before or, or an oncoming blocker before he stands him up, stacks and sheds him because that's just not his game. Yeah. He's more sideline to sideline than he is completely downhill, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's, I mean, he is like I said. He's he's he plays like his hair's on fire. He's he's really. He's really just aggressive in, in how he plays. Now, how will that do with that size in how he plays at the NFL? That remains to be seen. A lot of guys that tend to be his sort of build in that high at that high contact in that high contact mindset that remains to be seen because a lot of times those dudes tend to, you know, get hurt a little bit. Yeah, but. I mean- He's, I I really like him just for his, his uniqueness in terms of not like Micah Parsons uniqueness, but his uniqueness and where you can almost just deploy him as a safety and sub packages versus just leaving him in at linebacker. And he's, you know, really super smart kid, obviously going to Notre Dame. He's a great leader. He does a lot of the little things, right? Probably because he has to, in order to overcome lack of some physical gifts and size and strength. But I think he's really good, and whoever's going to take him in the middle first round is going to get themselves a player.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether you put him like in the box, whether you have them out, you know, in it as a dime backer, like you mentioned, you can put him up as a safety. I feel confident enough in him in two high shells uh, with just the lateral mobility that he has, or you can put him in the slot as a as, as a nickel defender. Whatever the case may be, wherever you put Owusu-Koromoa, I think you'll be able to make plays at the next level. Uh, it, it's kind of like a situation like Isaiah Simmons uh, last year coming out and then going to the Cardinals. They didn't really utilize him to the best of his abilities. They kind of wanted to shoehorn him in as, oh, we'll make him just a you know typical linebacker. Isaiah Simmons isn't a typical linebacker. Ousakore isn't a typical linebacker. He he's a guy you need to move around a lot and I, I'm with you. I feel like that heat sick, heat seeking missile is the you know perfect way to describe him. He's super explosive. Plays like his hair's on fire, but he's also really smart. Uh durability long term is the major concern. I agree and then disengaging from blocks to the point of attack. So
1: Right, it's going to you're interesting gonna, to see, and you you're always going to hear it with guys like that. You know, yeah. even dating back to the likes of O'Brien Brian Urlacher, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer when when he started to age and his his speed started to leave him, you heard more and more about how he just wasn't great at stacking and shedding and getting through a block. Yeah, it's just the nature of being a and Urlacher wasn't smaller; he just wasn't great at great at it. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, you can overcome. There's no such thing as a perfect player. You know, like, it, it's amazing how, it, when you're a Hall of Famer even, like, little things get forgotten about you because you were so great at everything else. There's yeah. no perfect football player. Um, we already touched on Zayvon Collins. I, I, I have him probably higher than you do. I actually have Baron Browning as linebacker three above Zayvon. Oh, okay. So um, I actually think he's kind of similar but different to, to Micah Parsons in that he is around that 230, 240 mark in terms of weight. But I don't think he's a Sam. I think he's Will. Where That's kind of where he would thrive most as just a Will coverage backer much more in the vein of Roquan Smith than, whereas we put, whereas we kind of compared Micah Parsons to, to, uh, Anthony, not Anthony Harris, uh, Anthony, Anthony Barr. Yeah. So there's are similar builds, similar athleticism, but different styles of player. Whereas, you know, it, it's the, you know, the, the meme you see the same, but different. So, <laughs> I do like him in that sense of he's a good coverage backer. He tested really, really well. and he he can blitz a little bit, not not greatly, but again, someone you could probably put outside and in, in sub packages and have him rush the passer. Um, but he a very, very phys, like in terms of his physical build, like how he's built very physically imposing. Looks like you know cut from granite, and he he attacks downhill, and he's allowed. He he has the ability to being that two thirty five, two forty, um, and I'll use a term for him. He I call him like a rally backer, almost okay. like when when he gets when he starts flowing, everyone kind of goes with him because he always seems to find the football. Which sounds really dumb. It's like oh you're a line you're you're a defender. <laughs> you're supposed to find the football. But there is something to be said of the guy who starts the rally, follow, like the, the the guys the sec, in the second level and third level tend to follow him because he gets to the football. And that also kind of helps because he isn't the – you know, he's he's big enough, but he's not Zayvon Collins, as we alluded to earlier, who's every bit yeah. of 260. So I really like Baron Browning. I, I like him a lot more as more of a t- traditional 4-3 will or – inside four th- or inside three, four will, where you kind of let him cover, cover a little bit of tight ends, rush, rush the passer, not minimally, but less than he'd be asked to, if he were more like the Sam backer that Micah Parsons is my, my take on him. I, I just don't want to see him forced into something he can't do. Like I, or not can't do, but shouldn't be doing. Like, I think you would limit him by trying to make him just a straight four, three Mike. Cause he just can't do certain things. Yeah. Just my yeah,
0: take on I, him. Yeah, no. I don't I don't think he's a Mike of the next level. I do think he's the type of guy you want to play outside if possible. Uh I feel like his processing could speed up a little bit. I That's mean, where I was getting feel, to.
1: Like he, he yeah. rallies to the football, but he's almost it's almost like the Justin Fields argument where it's not like he's late, but he's it's like he's just a he, he's a tick behind. Yeah. He's not running late, he's just like he sees it and reacts just a ticks tick to tick behind. That's it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And at the collegiate level, more often than not, he was able to get away with it because he's just a very, very good athlete. Uh, I have his uh, relative athletic score pulled up right now, and Mm -hmm. it matches what I saw from him on tape. And I'm sure what Mm -hmm. you saw from him too, that, uh, that four, five, six at, 6'3, 245 pounds. Oh, with... he was 245.
1: Wow. I, I I had him closer to 235, 240.
0: Yeah, I had him in that 240 range. So I was I was surprised to see that he's 245. Uh but and th-
1: for those listening or who will be listening, um, always keep in mind at pro days and and the combine when it's when it's a normal year, um you tend to have these guys put on water weight, the Vic Beasley. Yeah. always come to mind for me where the guy showed up and looked like a shredded just Greek God at 260 <laughs> pounds or whatever he weighed in that year. Yeah. But eventually the water weight goes away unless you're Tutu Atwell who just decided water weight wasn't nece- necessary to put some size concerns <laughs> in bed. But we're not going to delve up things that rip open my band-aids. We're not doing anything. <laughs> we're just not. I'm, I refuse.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we, we talked way too much about Tutu Atwell and just, him being tiny so small so tiny. small
1: little yeah. little little tiny boy
0: <laughs> a little yeah geez is that's wild to me so i'm still i know we've we talked about it at length but he's like less than 150 playing in the nfl and he's gonna be <laughs> drafted relatively high like
1: yeah. why wow. all right well back to the linebackers <laughs> I, I i want to so I asked you a little bit pre-show about it to delve into it, but the picture of one Jamin Davis during his pro day surfaced, and then his numbers surfaced and everything about Jamin Davis has started to come back, you know, to quote the Simpsons, everything's coming up Millhouse," or yeah. Jamin Davis's case. Everything's coming up. Jamin <laughs> that dude has gone from, I mean, from what i've seen on tape he's like a third round player yeah he he's so athletically gifted but as a football player just so raw and just has so much to learn and if you're willing to be patient you you could be rewarded but i don't think he's athletically raw like like I, it sounds similar to to Micah Parsons. I just don't think his football ability is as transcendent in terms of what he can do throughout the linebacking core. Like I think, I think Jamin is more probably a three four inside will than he is anything. Okay, and that and that's okay. Like that's a really good football player, but you need to let him develop and let him really learn the intricacies of coverage and linebacking and really just becoming a true overall football player. Cause I feel like there's a lot to be desired, but I'm going to let you get into, get into that.
0: Yeah. So I remember I tweeted out, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Now I called Jamin Davis, the ultimate ball of clay because
1: that's his new nickname. <laughs> U-B-O-C.
0: Yeah. He's the U-B-O-C. the U-B-O-C right, <laughs> uh, I'm trademarking that. I'm putting that on a T-shirt. I'm going to make a few thousand dollars off of whatever team drafts them. You'll make $2. Probably. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I need money, so I'm going to do whatever it takes, more or less, as long as it's Breaking. legal.
1: college kid is broke.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Is, is it really any surprise, though? No. I, no. No, not that at all. Not. No. I fit that stereotype to a T. I've been spending, and and I hate it. I've been spending way too much money on uh fast food because my meal plan's running out and I don't have enough money.
1: Time to go buy some top ramen from the Walmart. Yeah, you know it. Uh, All right. Well, <laughs> Jamon Davis thoughts before we Jamon
0: Davis. Yeah, before we get too far off track, I feel like. He brings really good length. I think he is a little bit wiry, like his frame is relatively skinny. I think he could afford to pack on a little bit more muscle. Uh, and his overall football IQ, I think, is still – it's a pretty big work in progress. I think a term I use is he's more reactive than instinctive. And he's the type of guy – we talk about Baron Browning sometimes being a split second too late to uh, diagnose the situation. I see that a lot with Jamin Davis on tape where if he were just, like, a split second quicker to make a play, then he'd have a lot more, like, splash plays on tape. And that's saying something because he does have his fair share of big plays. And I feel like his athletic ability sees him get away with a lot. Like, he ran a 4-4-8 at his pro day. And, again, I know I keep referencing these pro days like there's some end-all, be-all. I know that they're not. And I know that the team right. opens. And, it and it we've also up.
1: mentioned down here you can probably add about 0.04 to 0.05 to each number, and that's probably closer to how they play. Yeah. That and that's typical, like that's not me doing the study. That's been released by I forget who, but that's that's some that's from someone much smarter than I am in the world of analytics. That it's point oh four. I believe, is the number, and that's probably their true forty time.
0: Yeah. And, like, a 4-5 is still really good, and that shows up so well on tape. I feel like just his raw closing speed as a tackler, I think he has sideline to sideline range, uh, and he doesn't play to his fullest capacity because I feel like his motor can run hot and cold because he's diagnosing and he's thinking too much. But when he just lets himself, like, go, I feel like he's, he is one of the best linebackers in this class just because of that length combination, that speed. I think he's really fluid. He's shown promise in zone coverage. I don't want to say he's fully there yet, but I feel like he has potential there, and he's got some
1: solid ball skills. I'm only asking you because it seems like, you just based off how you're talking, it seems like you've probably watched a touch more of him than I have. Do you think he could inevitably play Mike? Because I I, I don't know the answer to that question. Because he he does seem to have a physique where you could add a little more of the – we'll call it what we'll call it like he he was chiseled marble at his you know pro day where you had the 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 abs protruding and big broad shoulders and you saw the long arms that were filled out but um i just wonder if he could add some of that quote-unquote football fat and be a a mic backer where he could stack shed ability you know to we'll say bench press the defenders off of him because of his wingspan and almost like use a a pick, a pick move to just kind of keep one guy off of him and then almost reach out and, and and slow someone down if they're if he is tied up.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like he could play Mike, but I do feel like there's some, there's some things that he's going to have to work on uh, in terms of little football IQ, but also, you know, packing on a little bit of that football fat, like you said, Uh, I like him, you know, as a, I think they call it a jackbacker in some cases in mm-hmm. a three-four line system. Uh, I could also see him playing as a, a weak side backer in a forty front. Uh, that's just where I'm projecting him at, though. I like to see a team take advantage of his abilities in space. In uh, space. In space. He's like an astronaut out here. Uh, Don't steal that from me
1: that's mine I, i'm
0: stealing that i, I know that's your, <laughs> that's your joke i'm
1: <laughs> he's an astronaut <laughs> he's in
0: space <laughs> i over under one time per episode that someone's gonna say that whether he's an it's astronaut. Me or
1: you. oh it's gonna be way over oh my god yeah because so, <laughs> that's like one of the tell all like football the de- football watching or film watching development you know terms is how is he in space yeah like, can the <laughs> can the running back make you miss in space like it's stupid it's so yeah. dumb
0: but it's the truth football lingo is just so damn oh, weird.
1: oh my god and i'm mad that i didn't use the term moving the furniture more in our lineman episode oh. But that's that's oh another time for that's another day um all right so I'm going to move on to a guy I really enjoyed watching, and I've referenced him a couple times throughout our first episodes, and that's Nick Bolton. And he's a little squatty. I think he's all of six feet tall. And I know you've had the pleasure of probably going to a couple of his games in person and whatnot because of yeah. attending Mizzou. Eh, my Z. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed Nick Bolton's film. I think he was for everything he lacks in certain things he's not a tremendous quick twitch athlete but he is strong he's short and squatty so you know we've used the term fire hydrant he's a little bit more of a fire hydrant and you know for what he lacked in terms of explosion I think he did well in in terms of just linear straight line speed Yeah. So he is fast in a straight line. Just don't ask him to, to uh, change direction and cover too many tight ends. I think he is the case classic case of an undersized, you know, Mike backer in a three, four where you put him next to a guy who's similar to Tremaine Edmonds, you know, a long rangy, good coverage linebacker, but he isn't bad in coverage is kind of what I was alluding to further where he he does have some issue with the speed and change of direction, but if you put him in a, in a short zone or a small zone, he's not going to hurt you. He's a smart, heady football player, probably because he's been playing his whole life. He just knows how to play football and he, he comes hard downfield. He doesn't take a playoff. I, you know, it's hard to find a comp for a six foot 237 pound linebacker. Cause there's just not many of them. Yeah. And I just, I guess it's for me, he's kind of like a little bit of the little engine that could like he, he okay. out, <laughs> he outplays a lot of his physical deficiencies. He's like I said, he's not a great change of direction athlete. He's not big. He's not overly explosive, but he, he, plays with just an attacking demeanor he probably because he has to like that's yeah. just what he the way he is built and probably has learned to play the game and i've also that you could probably speak more to this from doing my reading on some because when you i'm sure like you have the guys that you call your guys or your draft crushes or whatever bolton is admittedly a draft crush for me so i've done yeah. some reading on him and as like a person and he's like he's I want to say almost considered like a Mizzou defensive leader where he is like the emotional backbone of that defense and to me that's a big deal I like guys like that because it means that they're you know to to use an old football cliche he's the first one in last one out he is that dude and that's that that to me for especially for a guy who lacks a lot in the physicals to have that as well as the production on tape, you know, I think he could be well served as a, as a three, four Mike. And even that's even with athletic deficiencies, but I think he's probably to kind of not crap on him, but to just point out a deficiency, he might be closer for as good as he is in those, in those short zones or box zone coverages. Um, I think he is more of a two down thumper where when you start getting into sub packages and stuff, he's probably going to have to be pulled off the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely get behind that. I think. And the point that you bring about Nick Bolton being a leader on Mizzou's defense. Absolutely. That's true. Uh, He's practically the heart and soul of that Mizzou team. And I mean, part of that is because he was so productive and just as talented as he was, but he's also, you know, vocal, the guys around him, respect him, uh, you know and that shows up uh and he's earned their respect because of how he plays and you know leads by example uh and i I agree with your ultimate diagnosis I think Nick Bolton's a Mike at the next level for
1: sure, and it's just so hard because he's so short like i i', I, I I'm struggling to come up with like a guy that's six foot two forty and just been a a mainstay linebacker for years and years and years. Yeah. Like the one that comes to mind just isn't a fair comp and that's London Fletcher. Like that's not fair. London Fletcher was a (laughs) unbelievable football player. Exactly. Like, like, Hey, Hey, uh, Nick Bolton, I need you to be London Fletcher, be one of the best inside linebackers of your generation. Jerk. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, that's not, that's not a fair expectation to put on any kid. Like it was yeah, the same no, thing no. when, when uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, or about a week ago on Twitter, I saw someone to go back to, um, Zayvon Collins. Someone put out his measurables next to Urlacher's, like because of production, yeah. the, the 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 coverage ability, the size, and everything, and he's like an Urlacher clone in terms of measurables. Yeah, and it's like that's not fair no not at all <laughs> don't don't do start don't, don't doom some of these kids before they even play a snap in the nfl
0: yeah because if they don't pan out or even if they're like a decent starter then it's gonna say oh they could have been brian urlack or uh that's a bust pick right there and it's like no if you're getting a you know a solid starter in like the late first round like that's you know it's a solid pick that's not an elite pick, but that's also pretty decent. All yeah. told.
1: All right. Well, th- I decided to talk a little bit about my draft crush, Nick Bolton there. Um,
0: who, yeah, no, who, it's all good. Uh,
1: any other linebackers you truly like? Cause I-, I think we should probably start delving into more of the middling guys. Yeah. And then we can touch on a late round player. We both like, per- but you know, that seems to be our MO. We touch on some of the higher guys, some of the middle guys, and then we each give one or two of the later round people that we tend to like.
0: Yeah. Who
1: are probably uh, going to well, suck. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> just take that for what it is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a crapshoot. We'll we'll be real with you.
1: Yep. Uh, but oh, one it's one hundred percent a crapshoot. It's armchair scouting, professional scouting. It's all one hundred percent art, like next to zero percent science. Because there's just exactly. so much that goes into this.
0: Yeah, and that's why you know, no amount of analytics, no amount of tape watching can 100% accurately indicate, okay, this guy's going to be stud at the next level. And this guy's not, there's so many factors that go into that. And it's the old adage saying, like, if you hit on like 30% of your evaluations and guys that you like, then that's a
1: good awesome at this. Then yeah,
0: (laughs) it's like, it's like baseball. If you're hitting 300, you're one of the best. So keep that in mind when y'all are watching, listening to this, and watching the draft.
1: This and, and you and you enter Meyer Jacobs mentions or DMs and tell us how stupid we are, which you're not wrong. We are stupid. It's fine. Yeah, we
0: are. But we are.
1: You know, we're, our tagline is back. We're doing our absolute best. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who do you like in the middle rounds? Give me one guy, and then I'll I'll shoot you my guy.
0: Alrighty. Uh, yeah, one guy that. He was getting a decent amount of hype heading into this year and then just kind of fell into the background. Uh, Charles Snowden out of Virginia. He okay. is He's just so big. He's <laughs> huge. <laughs> so large.
1: He's massive. He's okay, 6'6". So, full disclosure, I didn't watch a ton of Charles Snowden. Yeah. Uh, I- I'll be honest with you. It's hard to find time when you're trying to get through – 250 plus players to get oh, yeah. to everyone, and Snowden just for whatever reason just kind of fell between the cracks. I know the name, I've seen maybe a game and a half, two games of him, but I, I'll always give the full disclosure on this show if I haven't watched enough to feel comfortable commenting on him, I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna comment on him. So, yeah, <laughs> give me your Charles Snowden breakdown because I've seen Lorenzo Carter comps like as yeah. someone you could, you could theoretically. Look to as um, a comparable but I'm wondering what you think of that
0: okay okay yeah I uh, I think that's pretty fair I do think Lorenzo Carter was slightly more athletic but I mean that's not a knock on Charles Snowden no at all. Lorenzo I mean, Carter
1: was a looney Tunes character just yeah yeah <laughs> oh here he is he's long and strong and you know whatever I'm I'm go ahead I'm sorry
0: yeah no <laughs> don't worry about it but yeah, Snowden, is 6'6", 243 pounds, which is because he his playing weight was around that 230 range. So he was super wiry. I mean, I'm glad that he's been able to pack on a little bit of pounds there. Uh, huge wingspan, as you can imagine, 34 inches at the linebacker position. That's longer than most offensive tackles. Uh, and he's a, he's a very good athlete which is weird because he's so big but he moves very well in a straight line he's got good closing speed and I just like his fluidity just how he moves in coverage just working across his body to change direction uh and I feel he's, he's the type of guy I feel comfortable with putting in man coverage against like a tight end or something like that just because of his length he can I mean obviously he's not a technician to the level of a defensive back, but he can jam guys through their stems fairly well. And obviously, you know, bursting up field, he's very good in that regard. Just that length and athletic combination. I feel like he's got elite upside in coverage. If he can just improve his instincts a little bit, it's another one of those things where he's a split second, too late to diagnose plays every once in a while. Uh, and being as big as he is, he can struggle with pad level and, you know, getting his hips low and, you know, truly getting that weight underneath him to maximize his power in his mm-hmm. lower half. But length is really good. Speed is really good. Upside and coverage is really good. He's shown flashes as a blitzer of the A-gap, which I would really like. And you, sure, you can put him off the edge if you want, you know, if you call upon him to do so. Uh just that upside I think you know a lot of people are looking at him on day three if you can get him in like the fourth or fifth round I think that's a really good value but just because of how high that ceiling is worst case you're getting a special teams monster with him in my opinion just because of the athleticism that he brings
1: I mean that's hard to hard to argue with you yeah, I guess like especially in terms of the special teams fit just because the the, that's kind of what those guys become. It's the height, weight, speed guys that at the very least you think they can just pin their ears back on punt coverage or kick coverage and just say, hey, go get, go tackle the return guy. That's it. But
0: Yeah, and that's why I like drafting those type of guys on day three because best case they develop into starters, worst case they're special team studs. And if I can get a special team stud on day three, then I think that's a pick well spent.
1: Right. So let's move on to someone similar to you, got a lot, a lot of hype. But in 2019, blew his knee out, towards his ACL, was the leader and I believe team captain of that 2019 Alabama defense before doing that, and that's Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses okay. <laughs> is someone who I thought last year in 2019 before blowing his knee out, was going to be a top 15 pick. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a fabulous football player. And then he got hurt. He, you know, missed the entirety of 2019. And it just didn't help him out. He he did play this year. And he he just, I don't think he looked the same as he did in 2018 before and, and starting 2019 before he, before he missed, you know, I just didn't, I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's back fully yet. And it's not any fault of his own. And, you know, you, there are some games where he popped, where if you go watch this year where he played Mississippi state, for instance, he was good. He, he looked like Dylan Moses. And then, you turn around and he you watch him play Mizzou this year and he wasn't Dylan Moses anymore you know it's it's just it's weird to kind of explain it that way yeah but he's I I like that he's experienced he's called plays for the Alabama defense he was their I want I really want to say he was their defensive team captain I can't really remember but he's 6'3", was hyper-athletic. I don't think he tested at all like from what I was looking around, um, but he's a really, really good linebacking prospect, and I think you can probably do well and get him in the third or fourth round, similar to Snowden. And you might have just had a guy that no one is really that high on right now because he, he is still recovering from that knee. I think he really if you if all things being equal you probably should be taking him in round 2 because i think he is legitimately that football talented yeah you know given experience his ability to to like blitz through the a or b gaps you know he just does everything well and i i i tend to pride myself on scheme fits and trying to find where they fit the best and I think he'd be best in an attacking four or three because he's not the best in coverage, but he is a really good athlete. I kind of like him for Kansas City's defense, and okay. I I know that sucks to hear because Kansas City's so good at football. And you're like, oh yeah, you're just <laughs> talking about giving this guy that you see feels is supremely talented. I'll call him an attacking Mike. That's what I think he is. I think he's a just a downhill Mike linebacker, kind of the old school ilk, but with really modern day potential athleticism coming back to him as he gets more and more healthy coming back from that ACL. Yeah. I really want him to succeed because I liked him a lot going into 2019 and then he tore that knee up. But seeing him in Kansas city would be, you know, like I said, attacking for three, in that Spagnolo 40 front style defense where he's dialing up all these exotic places, exotic blitz packages and schemes and stuff to let their linebackers and defensive backs flow and just do things, you know, he might be well served there. And I hate that I'm saying that, but it's just the kind of defense I think of when I watched Dylan Moses play, that's the kind of player I saw. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my little spiel on Dylan Moses, but You know, all things being equal, you you can only guess so much for these guys, you know? Yeah. I mean, and
0: with Dylan Moses, I mean, you bring up the Mizzou game, because I I was actually going to bring that up earlier. Uh, There were flashes. I will say this. There were flashes of the old Dylan Moses, and there were some plays where it was a non-factor. And... I, th- yeah, I agree. I don't think he's fully recovered from his injury yet. I feel like his, you know, knee is still bugging him a little bit. Either that or he wasn't able to play at full speed. Uh, in terms of lateral mobility, I think that, you know, it might not be the best, but I think he's quick in a straight line.
1: Right. Uh, and, well, I think, I, I guess I should have touched on this. The reason I like him so much in attacking is because he is a thumper he wants to come down and hit you yeah and it's he borders almost on i've used it for kyle fuller on our rule of three podcast i've used it to describe players who are just like damakhan Su fell in that role kind of had his dirty after play moments but i would never qualify him as like a dirty player in the moment really he's aggressive yeah. he's he's too aggressive for today's nfl Dylan Moses kind of fits that in that he's coming so hard, so fast, so quickly that Whoa. he he's almost too aggressive or he bites on play action a lot. He over-pursues on, on like cutback lanes and stuff like that. He just – he almost needs to be amped down a little bit. Like just come back to earth a little bit. Like it's hard, but it's hard to take a guy who – plays that hard and that fast yeah and tell him hey relax
0: (laughs) yeah no i mean with how hot his motor runs on a consistent basis uh i agree like an attacking style of defense and like a 40 front whatnot i feel like he can play you know just about anywhere in terms of you know sam mike will uh i feel like he's you know intelligent enough that he can Diagnosed from wherever he's fast enough. I I might uh, I'm struggling to think of where exactly I like him.
1: Okay, so he, I just kind of looked it up. Um, never voted a team captain, but he was the primary communicator for the defense. So okay. he called he AKA never a team captain, but called plays. Okay, okay. cool. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I'll I'll take that. You know, it's still pretty commendable being a linebacker who's able to call plays like that. Like. Yeah. That that and that shows up in the way that he plays the game. He's a smart guy, and I think that that helps him play as hard as he does because he knows what he's doing out there. And right. whether you know he's physically able to do it, I feel like he what looked more explosive in twenty eighteen, uh, and just generally more fluid.
1: And we yeah, didn't I think see as it's much one of, that of those things. I'm forward. not sure he fully trusted that knee last year. Yeah, but only time will tell he'll likely if I had to guess he'll probably fall to the back of three or or four. But I think the, when the tape, when he's right, like specifically that early 19 tape and that 2018 tape, that's a first round pick, man. Yeah. It's so hard to ignore. All right. Well, let's move on, I guess, to our late round guy. If there's one or two late round dudes, you want to talk up a little bit. I'll give you the floor.
0: All right. So one guy that I kind of want to touch on a little bit, we talked about Baron Browning earlier Mm -hmm. and that Ohio state linebacker group. I know we don't have the time to get into every single one of those guys, but you know, Pete Werner, tough Borland, both of them, you know, could very realistically be drafted and Pete Werner, you know, he's up there uh, in terms of
1: Pete's going to get drafted. And we didn't touch. obviously for the listeners, we, we can't touch on every prospect. We'll be here all day. We try to give you the nuts and bolts and some guys that we like later in the middle rounds, but I, I'm, are, are you going to be going, are you going to be going tough Borland on this one? Like
0: I'm not, uh, no. I'm going with actually the fourth guy in that group. And that's Justin oh.
1: Hilliard. Oh, look at you. Oh my God, <laughs> That's a, that's a name. The fourth guy. There we go.
0: Which <laughs> it's so weird. Cause you know, in that Ohio state defense, you, 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 only really play, you know, as many as three linebackers at a time. But when Justin Hilliard was on the field and playing on defense, like he caught my attention and he's a guy I love on special teams just because of how fast he is. Uh, and like the ability to, you know, just charge downhill with, I don't want to say reckless abandon. Cause like he generally, you know, knows what he's doing. Uh, but he's fast, and I love the mobility that he brings. I think he's athletically and instinctively sound in coverage. Uh, maybe not the most physical guy out there. I don't think he offers a lot in terms of his ability to blitz the linebacker, uh, blitz the quarterback rather. Uh, and I think he is a little bit smaller, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Justin Hilliard's my guy. Tons of special teams experience. Really athletic. Uh, I kind of like him in that will roll at the next level. I feel like just, again, he's an astronaut, put him out in space, let him do his work. At the very least, I think he can be a key special teams contributor for quite some time.
1: Fair. All right. Well, this is where I'm going to kind of differentiate from you and the, and one of the later round guys I'm bringing up for, you know, he plays for that team up at Evanston, Illinois the northwestern wildcats i i know he's not a good athlete in terms of (laughs) really anything he's not fast he can't move much side to side but damn it patty fisher shows up on film he does (laughs) He, he does man and maybe it's the white guy try hard in me because that's what patty fisher is he's white he's the probably the son of a coach. I have no idea, but he,
0: (laughs) he he, fits that stereotype on film to a T.
1: Yeah. He, he's always in the right place. He, he's really meant for 1980s football and linebacking because he just, he can't really (laughs) move backwards or side to side. He comes downhill. He plays really hard. It's like everything I'm saying about him is he's probably a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, he's gonna be really good in the locker room. He's gonna be great in the film room because he's clearly a very smart guy. He he is to you know invoke our podcast namesake. He is you know a hard hat and lunch pail guy. The dude just brings it every day, every down, and he shows up. He's very smart. I think he's been what a three or four year starter for the Wildcats. Something. it's at the very least three, three I, yeah.
0: <laughs> at the very least. Cause I remember watching him back in like 2018 or something and thinking, okay, you know, possible draft pick here.
1: All right. And similar for, for, for similar, but different to kind of go back to that. I like him on special teams. Cause I think he's going to find the football on coverage yeah. units, but it's for the opposite reasons of Justin Hilliard. Justin Hilliard's a wiry, like, you know, twitchy athlete rather. Yeah. Patty Fisher is not (laughs) like he's and if he plays, it's almost going to be like Will Compton where he's this big, (laughs) burly, strong linebacker and he goes maybe B gap to B gap. If he's lucky. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to come downhill. He's going to give it everything he's got. And he, he might make the play, but he might not because he's just lax in certain things. Yeah. But it's never going to be for lack of being out of position. He's going to get himself – or lack of not knowing where to go. He's a really heady player. God, he – everything I'm saying about – he's white, okay? we get a <laughs> white football player. But he's he's solid, and he does show up on tape, and he, he was – the leading tackler I want to say for the Northwestern Wildcats that were a really solid defense out of the Big 10. I would believe they were one of the better defenses in the Big 10, if not the yeah. nation this year. So I don't know. He's nothing special, but I think you know when you're what you're going to get, especially cuz he does do all the pre-snap communication for them if you go watch the film. He he's just so limited in every other aspect like he'll he'll know where the play is going and where it's leading him and where he's supposed to go the like if you could give his processor to Micah Parsons or Zavin Collins or Baron or one of the higher end players if you could give him his football processor they would be top five picks yeah but they don't have his processor but if you could and it goes the the other way if you could give Patty Fisher, saving Collins' physical traits. He would be a first-round pick as well, but he just doesn't have those. Yeah, But I think he's going to be – I think he'll last around the league and hop around for a year or two here or there with teams because he's just going to – coaches are going to love him flat out. Like, they're just – they're going to love this kid because he's called defenses, he's experienced. There's nothing that he hasn't seen that – in the Big Ten, just solid football player, but just lacks really any sort of upside. I think he's kind of just ready-made. Like here he is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- I think you touched on him perfectly. Uh, lack of athletic upside, but you know, big guy, uh, smart, ta- tackles well and consistently, and plays
1: his. He tries his darndest. Uh, he and just can't do certain things. Like his brain says, "I need to get there." His body's like, "Dog, we can't get there." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like,
1: <laughs> such
0: a shitty thing to say, but it's true. I know, and I feel bad because <laughs> we're like ragging on the guys. Like, oh, he, he sucks. Fucking. Oh wait, can I see that? Can I say that? Yeah, you're I fine. Just dro- Whatever. I just wait. dropped an f bomb on the radio show. Uh, I, don't, I said shit, so on it's the fine. pod. All right. Okay, but <laughs> geez. Yeah, man. I mean and it's it is frustrating at times because like he knows what he needs to do. He just can't do it. <laughs> exactly. Once he gets when he gets the opportunity, you know, he's he can tackle well and make plays. Like I think he had uh it was four hundred and one tackles at the collegiate level. And yes, I know tackles aren't always the most accurate stat to see how impactful a player is, but man, he was productive. And I I agree, just the general late day three, I think you'll get drafted and stick around the league for a while. But like you said, I think the upside there is pretty limited. Still still a fun guy to watch though, just because of how gritty he is. Absolutely. And by gritty, I mean white.
1: Yes. He, Patty Fisher is the whitest player in this draft is what we're getting at. (laughs) Oh my God. We just lost like 80% of our, our listeners with that. Oh, Jesus. All right. (laughs) Um,